Welcome to another round of Thoughts of Peaches. I'm Peaches. Hey, y'all. So, today's episode is going to be about one of my favorite things in the world, which is food. Um, I've been in love with food ever since I can imagine. By love, I mean passionate about my connection with it as far as what it does for the mind, body, and spirit, as well as the community since I was a kid. I started out helping um, the hospitality committee at my mother's church, and then I got directly into food service as my first actual, actual job, um, working at Dunkin' Donuts. So this episode, I'm going to have a couple of quick segments about how I feel about certain foods, foods I like to make, food tips, and things of that nature. Um, When I was thinking about putting together this podcast, I originally thought about doing one solely on food because people are always telling me um, how much they like the food and things I post on Instagram. But I feel like, for me at least, I'd run out of material and get bored with that very quickly. So I'm just going to dedicate a sole episode to food. So just take a listen. Tell me what you think. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, leave me a voice note. Send me a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, let's get into this. Let's get into a little bit about me and my cooking. I learned how to cook growing up watching other people. I didn't have any formal training until I went to college. Obviously, I went to school and we had like home ec and basic stuff like that. I actually had a class called Foods for Daily Living, which I still to this day remember a lot of things I learned in there, but that was like basic home cooking type of things. Then I cooked at my mother's church, family functions and things like that before I went to Johnson & Wales College of Culinary Arts um, in Providence, Rhode Island. Yay! I was 16 when I went to college and probably the youngest kid in most of my classes and had no formal culinary training whatsoever. So a lot of what was shown in my classes was just natural, learned, homegrown talent. And what I did not know was very obvious. I was very bad in my meat cutting in my classical French class because those were two things I was never exposed to. Growing up in Jersey, we didn't butcher our own meat or things like that. A lot of our eating habits were very consistent, so there was not a lot of, oh, what's this, what's this, what's this. The other fun fact about that is I actually failed my meat cutting exam because my glasses were broken and part of it was identifying different cuts of meat but I thought they were going to have actual cuts of meat out that we could look at. Instead, they were on flashcards. And because of how my vision is, I could not differentiate um, some of the meats. And yeah, that didn't go very well. Um, classical French was just something I was not exposed to because classical French cuisine is very, very technical. And I was cooking food at home for my family. I wasn't doing all of this stuff with puff pastry and duck all orange and booth wellington and these really fancy cuts of vegetables and things so that was difficult for me in the sense that it was a skill set i did not have and was not familiar with um 
a lot of my influences in cooking come from various family members or various friends of different backgrounds and things I've watched on TV. My mother, my aunt, Barbara, my grandmother, all of these people had influences on the food I prepare as far as taste profiles of what I like and what I don't like. I'm obsessed with spice. Anybody who has tasted any of the food I made growing up knows I'm very heavy-handed when it comes to the heat. Um, not everybody's palate can handle that. Um, there's always this funny story. My uncle and my aunt talk about my Cajun macaroni and cheese. That was good, but you, you needed to be warned. There was going to be a five-alarm fire in your mouth if you ate it. I also made a very interesting error in college during my internship we had a theme menu we had to do every weekend when it got to my menu I had an X-Men theme menu so we had to do a soup a pizza a sandwich and some vegetarian dish everything was fine except for my soup I cut out these beautiful red pepper garnishes in the shape of the dark phoenix emblem and made this spicy chicken soup Again, no formal culinary training. I had never worked with Thai chilies before. So because they were so small, I cut like six or seven of them up and put them in the pot. And my chef instructor comes over and sees that and she freaks out. Because you don't need that many Thai chilies in that size of a pot to give it the heat it needed. So we literally had to like split the soup into fourths and thin it out with water so it was... It was still spicy, but we had to make it so people would actually order it and eat it because it was a cafe for the students and we had to feed people. So, But that's a little bit about my background with cooking. We'll do a couple more fun things in the next segments as far as things I like to cook. Um, critiquing some food I see on social media and some tips and tricks that I can share about things I know that people find interesting and that I do that people find popular. All right, see you soon. Okay, so here's a intro to one of my recipes that I've become synonymous for and I know I kind of teased some of my friends and said this episode I would give them a secret they've been asking for for a long time. I'm not going to give the whole recipe out, but just ideas of things you can add that I do. But I'm not going to tell any of the real secrets because then it's not a secret anymore. So, one of the dishes I'm really known for making, especially when I have like group functions and things like that, is my macaroni and cheese. Um synonymous with southern cuisine home cooking um and i do mine in the more of the southern baked way than the stovetop way no shade to people who like stovetop macaroni and cheese it just never has really done it for me there's a nostalgia about warmth and comfort and family and friends that baked macaroni and cheese gives me that reminds me of like family gatherings and social things that really like warmed my heart so for the most part it is a very traditional cream sauce based macaroni and cheese that's baked in the oven and topped with um 
some breadcrumbs or whatever crumbly bits of things you have. Some people like to use corn chips, Doritos. I've seen ones with Cheetos on top, which sounds very interesting, but mine is very traditional with the breadcrumbs for the most part. There are some things you can do to like pump up your cheese a bit with different cheeses with different flavors and things like that. Just be careful. I made the mistake once of trying to be really interesting and I used smoked Gouda and smoked mozzarella and it completely overpowered the dish and luckily I wasn't making it for anybody but myself that time so no one got to taste the mistake but that goes into the next thing make sure you use a variety of cheeses and don't be afraid of flavors you're unfamiliar with just don't go overboard especially when you're cooking for other people Um, One of the signature ingredients in mine is bacon, because when you make a proper cream sauce, you have to make what is called a roux, which is a mixture of fat and flour to make a paste, which is used to thicken liquids and sauces. But there are occasions where I have to cook for mixed company and not everybody eats pork. So then I use the classic butter. Everybody gets butter butter is the key of life um i had to do one once when i did a thanksgiving dinner for charity for um sylvia's place lgbt youth homeless shelter and because of the mixed company of not knowing people's eating habits i did have to do it without bacon that time just to make sure everyone could enjoy it to a certain extent there are other little tricks and things to enhance the flavor a lot of people feel like sometimes macaroni and cheese comes overly salty i find that using different herbs or quick little dollops of things can make up for some of that um a lot of times when i don't want to use a lot of salt i will use mustard depending on what the dish is and that will determine how much of it i use because mustard has all of those lovely flavors and you can get different kinds of mustard to achieve different flavor profiles Another thing I use is white wine. Now, this is where things I've learned in culinary school mix with my home cooking. I learned a lot of cream sauces and stuff that have white wine in it while I was in school. And I like the flavor that it imparts and things. So I actually do cook with a lot of white wine. And when I do make the sauce for my macaroni and cheese, it almost has um, a fondue slash cream sauce base because of how I build the sauce for the uh, macaroni and cheese. Additionally, I'm not super picky about my noodles per se. Sometimes I'll use traditional macaroni. Um, I'll use shells or tortellini or something like that. Depending on my mood, depending on how fancy I'm feeling. And it all depends on what you want to achieve do you want a classic macaroni do you have people with dietary restrictions um something i'm looking to experiment with not more so for a lifestyle change but just so i can have it in my armor armoire i should say i like i like clothing references is to try to do a plant-based macaroni my only concern is it's not so much a concern as a preferential thing because I normally have a very adventurous palate, but the plant-based cheese thing kind of weirds me out. So that would be my only reservation. 
other than that, that's a little bit about my signature dish. I have not made it in a while. Uh, once this quarantine and everything is over, I can't wait to have a gathering of some sort with my friends and family. And I can get back to making it for them and then, because I know a lot of them have missed it because we've all kind of, before Corona let life happen, got caught up with our own things. I think when we come out of this, we'll be more apt to spend time with people and make time for people because we realize that you never know what can happen. So now we're going to talk about helpful hints to having a good kitchen to cook in. We're going to go over some basic things as far as equipment and tools you'll need so you can make great meals in your own kitchen. Now, if you live in New York, obviously counter space and things of that nature are going to be an issue. So you're not necessarily going to be able to have all of these things. But this is just if you happen to have the space and stuff to do a fully stocked and prepared kitchen. One, make sure you have a good set of knives. I mean knives, multiple knives, different knives do different things. I learned this once I got fully immersed in culinary school because they gave me a full knife kit and went over what each knife did and its purpose. It's very helpful to have the proper knife for the proper thing. You have a boning knife for deboning things and carving things that you're going to fillet and stuff at home so you can save some money instead of getting it pre-done at the grocery store, butcher shop, or fish market if you have the time. Chef's knife is your basic utility for just about everything. Um, you need a good one. Nice weight, nice balance, keep it sharp, keep it clean. Don't ever put knives in the dishwasher, it's just a bad idea. You need a paring knife, this one with a small little short blade that you can fit in your boot if you need to, in worst case scenario, depending on how the world plays out after Corona. For little things like cutting up small vegetables and onions and garlic and things like that, or peeling fruit, it's really good for peeling fruit and apples and stuff. I would also recommend a nice good serrated edge knife for when you have like bread and brownies and stuff like that and also a carving knife with a smooth blade for when you have to do things like carve a turkey for thanksgiving or a roast those are my recommendations knives wise everything else is kind of you can buy a whole set just make sure it's a decent one and make sure it comes with a steel which is the nice little long pole to sharpen the knives so you keep your things in proper working order as far as cookware there's a couple of basic ones that i definitely recommend for sure just because of their versatility and they're the right vessel for the right production so my go-to i recommend for everybody is a 10 to 12 inch cast iron skillet this is like ultimate ultimate cookware because you can do so much in it you can bake in it you can fry in it it handles high heat really well um once you get a cast iron skillet please find a video online and find out how to properly season the skillet so that it holds up as much holds up to as much as it can and lasts you for as long as you need to just because it's such a versatile piece of cook where I love making cornbread in a cast iron skillet or one of the dishes I used to make when I was growing up that really really 
was delicious when I got it right was cast iron skillet pizzas out of the Betty Crocker cookbook. That was always fun. Then you need a good saute pan. You need one small one and one large one. The large ones for you making big things like stir fries or you need to cook multiple things for a large group than a small one for when you're cooking for yourself to make simple things like scrambled eggs or quick little stuff like that. You need a good saucepan, preferably a small one and a large one. The small one for you making quick sauces, reducing gravies, things like that. And the large one for you to make like quick little soups and pasta sauce and stuff like that. I'm not going to recommend if you're just doing general home cooking to get a big stock pot unless you're planning on doing a lot of large volume cooking stocks and stuff like that. Or if you're from the South, you probably have one already because you're making collard greens and large things of vegetables and stuff like that for your family and you need the volume. Now for bakeware, I recommend Pyrex or some sort of ceramic set for you to do roast birds brownies, baked goods, and stuff like that, because I just like Pyrex. Um, I had a very interesting relationship with Pyrex growing up, because that is how I learned that you do not put hot glass into cold water. Luckily, my mother did not kill me, because she had a ton of the stuff, and was easy to replace at that time. Um, also, another suggestion would be corningware. They do ceramic bakedware. Um, but once again, with ceramics and glass, you have to be very careful. Do not put the hot item into cold water to clean it or wash it. Wait for it to cool off, then clean it appropriately. Also, cookie sheets. Now, there's a difference between a cookie sheet and a jelly roll pan. You need both of them. But for different reasons. Cookie sheets are flat, completely flat baking sheets that have some sort of beveling on the side just so it's easy to pick up. That are for baking cookies or biscuits or cinnamon rolls or something to that effect. Something that does not have a lot of liquid is not going to spread out too much and things of that nature. Now a jelly roll pan is another flat-ish baking sheet, but it has sides on all four sides of it so that you can make things to fit perfectly into them and they won't go overboard or they'll have like a border to form around those are really good for baking things like um sheet cakes and if you have something with a little bit of sauce in it that you don't want to lose but you also don't need a huge vessel um i recommend that very much also a good pair of oven mitts you never want to do a lot of baking or cooking with a good pair of oven mitts because a human hand can only handle but so much temperature and we don't want to burn ourselves. Additionally, those silicone baking mats are great for what they're designed for. Silicone um, handles heat really well if you get a good one. I like the Silpat ones that they use in restaurants. I learned about those while I was in culinary school. They're really great for putting things on nonstick um, for cookies and stuff. Some of them even have the little measurements predetermined for you to put the cookies on. And those can just be wiped clean and they're really good to protect your bakeware, actually, instead of using parchment paper because they don't burn and you don't have as much product waste ripping off new sheets of parchment paper when you can just use the silicone mat and keep cleaning and reusing that. And also, finally, very finally, you will need to get a set of heat-resistant plastic or silicone cooking utensils and a set of metal cooking utensils. 
each one will serve a different purpose and will serve with different items. So if you have a lot of non-stick cookware, you will want to use the plastic or silicone. Make sure it's heat proof just so you don't scratch up and get the non-stick particles into your food. No one wants Teflon as a seasoning for their chicken. The metal ones will be for your cast iron and for your other mixing bowls or if you have the um, copper cookware and stuff like that. You can use the metal ones, just be very delicate and careful not to scrape anything. They hold up a little bit better to temperature. You don't have to worry about so much melting with those because eventually and if you heat anything up, it will melt. But obviously, I don't think they're cooking hot enough to melt metal. And if you are, um, as my mother would say, turn it out, turn down that Uncle Gus flame before you burn down the house. All right. So that's a quick review of utensils that I think are good for a kitchen if you're gonna start home cooking. I'm sure there's plenty more I could have named. Oh, wait, one more, very, very important one. A good cutting board. You never wanna just cut stuff randomly on the counter arbitrarily on plates like you see a lot of people do when they're home cooking. Get yourself a good cutting board or get multiple cutting boards just so you can avoid cross-contamination and have one for fruits and vegetables and one for meats and things like that. If not, you're going to have to constantly go back and forth between washing cutting boards just so you don't get yourself sick. Okay, that actually wraps up my review of cooking utensils and things I think you need for a kitchen. There's probably a lot more stuff I can go over, but we'll revisit this on a later episode when I do a food follow-up. All right. So, now we're going to talk about people's in their relationship with food. Now, this is complicated because this has a lot of factors built into it. So I'm going to keep this as a very light subject. I'm not going to get into too many deep, heavy things because that's not what I'm here for this episode. Um, Make sure that your food relationship is personal because it's your body. It's what you eat. It's what you like, but also you have to maintain your health in some way, shape, or form. I know we all love certain flavors. Certain things are salty, greasy, sweet, creamy, etc., and so forth, but there's no point in enjoying it if it does not allow you to live a life that you can fully enjoy it with your family, friends, and loved ones in a productive manner. Don't let other people try to dictate to you what is good and bad for you to eat other than a doctor or a nutritionist if you're eating meat don't let someone pressure you into not eating meat if you're a vegetarian don't let somebody shame you or make fun of you because you're a vegetarian if you're a vegan stand true in your veganism but don't look down upon people that don't subscribe to vegan plant-based lifestyles we are all individuals and make the choices for our individual wants needs and requirements as far as food goes it's something that should be enjoyed but it's also sustenance so make sure you're doing what you need to do to cover all of those bases when you eat and also have fun with it try to explore different things and get out there i know a lot of people who are picky eaters which makes preparing things for groups a little difficult sometimes but it also pushes you to be more creative to make sure that you can have something that everybody can enjoy when you're together with your friends and enjoying a good meal or out to dinner or something like that all right so keep food light fun as much as possible 
and try not to take it that seriously unless you have to then if you do please listen to your doctor don't run around eating stuff you ain't got no business eating when you know you ain't got no business eating it because hopefully you'll have a friend like me that will tell you to sit down and stop it Okay, so this is my test for my closing of every episode. We're going to call this Peach's Pit or Peach Pits. I don't know, one of the two of those. So every episode, I'm going to pick something that's going on in the world, and I'm just going to give my unadulterated opinion and rant on this. Disclaimer, I have not done this for political reasons any sort of cultural reasons this is just my opinion it has no bearing on any sort of political or cultural influences or things like that just what i think because of who i am as a person not because i want anybody to pick sides this is just my opinion if you agree or disagree leave it in the comments i will be happy to reply or even better if you go to anchor you can leave a voice note you can be part of the next episode and maybe i'll use your opinion as my rant so here we go Recently, we had our, their, whomever's president, make a comment regarding um, using light and or disinfectant to fight the coronavirus in the human body. And there's been an uptick in poison control calls and things like that with people who took said advice and did it even after he flip-flopped back around and said he was being sarcastic. As an advocate for sarcasm in most conversations, this is not one of them. You are the president of the United States. You cannot just say whatever you want and hope for the best and then say, oh, I was being sarcastic. That's not how this works, sis. You have people listening to your word and hanging on your every whim. So by the time you said that, People were going out buying bleach, ammonia, fabuloso, pine salt, or whatever they get their hands on, because unfortunately, some people take your word as the end-all be-all. And then, by the time you turn around and say you were being sarcastic and try to clean up and do the damage control, the damage is already done, people are in the hospital. Do better. Words mean things. Thank you, Crystal, for that quote. You need to understand that what you say matters to so many people, whether what you say is relevant or not, because so many people hold on to their belief in you as a person for some unknown reason. And you still have that responsibility, whether you want to take it seriously or not, you need to, because people's lives are at risk. And you need to get your shit together. All right. So that ends episode three of Thoughts of Peaches. Now. I would like everybody who is listening to do me a favor. Please leave a like, comment, follow, share, whatever, what have you on your social media pages so I can get more input, make these episodes better for everybody. This is something fun for me to do and reach out with my opinion because since people think I'm so comical and insightful, I want to share that with the world as much as possible. All right. It's been fun. Have a good day. And for the time being, please stay in the house.